Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The Square Ball Podcast. Right, welcome to this Square Ball special with me. I'm Dan Moylan. With me is Michael Normanton, who is on Zoom today. Hello. Which you can see on the video version. Have a look out for this as well on uh, all the usual video channels. And we're joined by Dominic Matteo. Thanks for having me. Yes, we spoke recently on the the Phil Hay show about your recent experiences, and we mentioned on there there is the um, charity event that's coming up at Ellen Road in the Pavilion. Yeah, Big Dukes, Mark Viduka is coming over Friday the eleventh of March to do a bit of an on stage Q and A. You're going to be yeah. there, going to be there doing it, raising money for the Brain Tumor Charity and the Head of the Game, which is my own foundation. Right. Okay. So yeah, really looking forward to it, and big thanks to Mark for wanting to get involved. And um, what stories have you got for us that could give us a little insight into maybe what you're going to be talking about with with Dukes? Well, obviously, we know that the four goals will get a mention for definite. And I think what I want to do is with this, I want to, I want people to to see the person that Mark was and the player he was, not just the footballer. I suppose the person because the one thing Mark was was funny. He he always laughed at his own jokes. That's the truth. He, no, them people who laugh at their own jokes. I mean, I'm a bit like that at times. And he was he was very much laughing at his own jokes. But he had his own little sense of humour. He used to go into his own little bubble for his sense of humour. But it was funny. Whatever he said used to make me laugh. And he'd just look at me. He used to call me Bomber. So like Dommer or Bomber, he used to call me. So Bomber, what do you think of this? Listen to this. And you know, he had this, he's got a really good, dry sense of humour. And yeah, and he's just, he's just a character. And like you say, he's just, he's one of those, Great players that never really gets the recognition, in my in my opinion, he deserves. We spoke over on the Phil Hay show about like the camaraderie that existed within that group, you and Mark Viduka, and all of you had a, a really tight yep. social circle. You also mentioned Eddie Gray there. You mentioned him a few times, and you've got a lot of respect for Eddie, haven't you? Now, can you just clear up with Viduka? Because we spoke to Eddie yep. last year, and we asked him about his motivational techniques in the dressing room, and it has been one of those mythical tales that's been relayed that Eddie used to get Mark Viduka and just get up in his face and say, you're no good. He's got your number today, the centre-half. Yeah. Um, he's got, well, you're not going to score. And that used to fire him up. Did that work for Mark Viduka? Yeah, I think it did. I think with Mark, he, when he got angry, he seen the best of him. Um, and I think Eddie and certain coaches could do that. And uh, you know, the thing with Eddie it was the honesty that I think we all relate to. I, I relate to to a coach or a manager being honest with me. David O'Leary was always honest with me, good and, good and bad. Um, and I think Eddie with Mark was very similar. Mark and Eddie had a really good connection. Both great footballers, both quite silky the way they played. So I think that their relationship was there from the day one. They really understood each other. And I think Eddie understood how good Mark was. But maybe at times he just needed a bit of a push. 
and uh, Eddie didn't hold back on that in the in the right way. And I think there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's important. I mean, I've had so many fallouts with coaches and managers over the years because you think you know better, but you don't. You've got to listen to these coaches. They're trying to help you. And that's what Eddie was always trying to do with Mark to get the best out of him. So with Eddie Gray, uh, from the Leeds fans' point of view, I guess because there's the, the Man United bias kicking in with, with Brian Kidd, but when he was... When Brian Kidd came in, Eddie was taken away from the, mm. the first team a bit. Did that have much of an impact, do you think? I think it, it probably would have been a little bit tough for Eddie because of what he's done and what he's achieved and, and the person he is. But I think, you know, you've got to remember that that he was very, very honest with me at times. And um, I think when, when there's a change of coach and Brian Kidd came in, Brian was very likeable, very good coach, knew his football inside out as well. So I just thought that was another string to all our bows, being honest, when you're bringing him in. Maybe because of the career that he had as a manager uh, and as a player. Because you've got to remember, he'd won, the, he'd won, the, he'd won everything, hadn't he? Brian Kidd, as a, as a player and a manager. You know, he won the, the Champions League or the European Cup and stuff. Maybe a couple of times, got him once or twice, but he definitely won it, and didn't he? So I think the respect was there for Brian straight away. I think with Brian, he was very much into getting your first touch and your kind of control of a football. Like, for example, he'd have uh, the, the little footballs out and we'd all have them just to start the session, which I thought was 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 quite new. Um, we did a little bit of that at Liverpool, actually, with smaller balls, just to learn on your touch. Um, obviously, the strikers obviously got slightly better than some of the defenders, but just little little things that, that he did that maybe Eddie, would, Eddie was exactly the same. Eddie would think about little ideas like that so I don't think there was any rivalry, but I really like working with Brian and also with Eddie as well. So it's really, really hard. And I know, obviously, because of his Man U connections, he's obviously had a bit of stick, probably, if that's the right word. But I don't think it was it was needed at times because, again, he was one of those honest guys who wanted the best for the, for the club he worked for at that point. You had a baptism of fire joining Leeds straight into like AC Milan and you, you and Dubri at the back wasn't it for your, for your... No, I played in midfield were you midfield that day yeah I, I played midfield more I, I than know you think. it was definitely like a, a makeshift defence wasn't it I played left wing I'd not trained for six weeks it's the truth <laughs> I'd not trained for six weeks I'd done my knee before I'd done my scan to, to sign for the club for whatever reason happened. What, what happened I can't really go into that too much but yeah <laughs> um, six weeks later and obviously the, the fixture came up I'd done a training session Not wasn't fully fully it wasn't fully back training with the group. I'd just done a couple of uh, probably light um, outside training. Most of it was done inside at the first part. Then you obviously go out and you get a feel of the ball, etc. And then David just pulled me and said, how are you feeling? And you kind of get a sense then from that yeah. word, how are you feeling? Well, every club I've played that, if someone says, how are you feeling? It means they've got an idea, you've got an idea that you they might want something from you. So um it was very polite in the way I said, yes, I'm feeling great. I'm looking forward to, you know, getting into the team and, and getting going. And it was like, kind of, well, do you want to get going now? And I was like, yeah, do I? And I looked, obviously, you look at the fixture, you know, debut, AC Milan at home, lashing down with rain at Ellen Road. Perfect conditions for me. I love that kind of weather. So it was just a dream come true to actually play a spell with my, my, my dad's, my Italian background and my name. Obviously, it was so nice. I think I did more interviews with Gazzetta della Sport, whatever they're called, back then than they ever did for anyone else because they, because I was new to that world. And my dad did quite a lot of interviews as well, which was funny. Obviously, he speaks Italian, but for me, not speaking it at all was tough. But yeah, <laughs> I think it was, um, yeah, listen, that, that that night was bonkers. You know, Dida drops it. 
the weather obviously played a part in that. In where that. were you when that goal went in? Where were you on the pitch? I was well. I was I was probably up top somewhere. I remember when when Bo hit that, it went in. I just grabbed hold of him, just grabbed hold of him because because Bo was one for celebrating properly. One he proper went for it. I think the weather helped sometimes for the slides and all that. Don't it when you've had a bit of weather. So I was right by that, and I was I think I was that tired. <laughs> that I literally just grabbed him, quick, quick, well done, and I was I was out of there. But that's kind of how my celebrations were. I was always that tired anyway. I used to get on with it, but it was a special night. I mean, I think, again, I think because of the conditions, the atmosphere was just electric. It felt, and it felt like my, my first game, even though it was out of position, I felt like, yes, this is going to be good for me. This is this is the right club for me. I got that feeling very quickly, and that that was special to me. I think even the even the Leeds fans I've spoke to when when they seen you playing left midfield was like, what? He's a, he's a defender, isn't he? Or a fullback? And I was like, yeah, I am. But I have played. If you look at my career, I've played in so many positions. I have played right back, left back, centre half, sweeper, left midfield, right midfield. I think the only place I've not played is actually centre forward or goalkeeper. I've more or less played in every position. So, <laughs> yeah, amazing evening. What and. If you think about the United game recently, it was kind of that kind of weather, wasn't it, as well? It was literally... That, the, we have to say Manchester United on this, uh, oh, on this show. Manchester United. You get, you get told off for that. Oh, really? Okay, Manchester United. Because <laughs> Leeds fans were all sensitive about because we're United as well. Anyway, yeah, yeah. so, yeah. But yeah, but yeah, actually, yeah, echoes of that, the amount of water that was just falling out of the sky. I can, was, st I can still remember that it, night. It was ridiculous. But I just loved that weather, me. I always have. Even even working recently, it was like that. Uh, you know, in that game and um, last week, and I was loving it. Me, I was like, "Wow, this is what proper football should be." We all slide in, we all get a bit muddy, and uh, even looking at the pitch, which I'll be looking at again later, the pitch obviously took its toll on it. That on that one game mm. recently, I mean, I'll have a proper look um, later on, but the, the pitch doesn't look too great, actually. Yeah, expensive Just, pitch is that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Does it come a bit as a bit of a relief to you to play in that game and feel that atmosphere? Because obviously you're you're kind yeah. of a Liverpool a Liverpool yeah. boy, and you were. Forced out is maybe the wrong word, but they, mm. they brought in Christian Zieg, didn't they? It was, and it was clear you weren't yeah. going to play as much. And to get that instant feeling of coming to a new club and being like, do you know what? It's all right, is this? Yeah, that's that's exactly it. And it was like that. The thing was, I'd just signed a five-year contract with Liverpool before I decided to make the move to Leeds. So I think there was certain people around me, certain players at Liverpool were saying, Dom, you've got to stay. You play in this team every week. You'll be ahead of Christian and obviously, different managers have different opinions, but all the players were basically saying, Dom, you need to stay. I think Didi Amman was one of them who knew, obviously, the German background with that. He knew about Christian, and he said to me, Dom, I'd take you. So I had that, but I also thought, well, you know what? I must have been on the bench 300 times for Liverpool and didn't even get on. They don't count them games. So I was thinking to myself, career-wise, I want to be not that important person, but I want to be... I wanted to get more game time regular. But the thing is, I think I probably would have got it at Liverpool. But it was my own decision and my agent and my family to make that call and go and start something fresh with a great club like Leeds United who were doing really well at that point. So yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a tough decision, but one I never regret. I never do. And obviously what's happening now with the club helping me with work and doing stuff, I really am thankful about that. But it's, uh, it's always a difficult move, I think, when you've been in a club for so long, like a 10-year-old boy, and then when you're 26, you leave. It's a lot. It is a lot. But you've also got to think about you and how you can progress. I think sometimes players can stay at a club for too long. And maybe I did that for a bit at Liverpool. You stay for too long because you get in that comfort zone. There'll be players at Leeds that are in the comfort zone, I'm sure. They just are. 
you're picking up decent money. But I don't want to be in that comfort zone. I want to be out there and be able to perform and, and make something happen for, for myself and, and for the club as well. Do, do you think that's what prompted Robbie Fowler to follow you? Yeah, maybe. I mean, when, it was funny when he when he said, because he never told me, you know, I, I thought... Was there no conversation before that? You didn't know? I, I think he just kept it, because obviously he knew where I lived and he was... Because obviously Peter Risdale basically lived over the road. So a lot of the players used to use Peter's apartment when they first signed for the club uh, in the Keys again. So... I think when Robbie obviously went in for his initial talks with his dad, he probably walked in there and thought, I kind of maybe recognise this place. And it was obviously, because Peter was below me, below he was like floor seven and I was eight. So um, I remember, I remember um, he just rocked up and I just bumped into him literally outside my house. And I looked at him and went, oh, hold on a minute, I know what's going on here. You're signing for Leeds, aren't you? <laughs> it was just like, because obviously Peter Risdale's there, his dad was there. And obviously, I just walked into him, so I thought, right, okay, doesn't take a rocket science to put this together. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and obviously, it was great to see him because we've got such a connection since we we've grown up. And obviously, he, he sorted my tickets out for the game last night as well. Ah, oh, that's all right. Then. Yeah, that was good. Do you think we we needed him? Do you think he um he yeah. was maybe, maybe listen uh, maybe I'm biased, but Growl, Robbie Growler, as I call him, he was unbelievable, the best natural goal scorer you ever see. You know, when Ian Rush says that, then you know. Someone's good. Yeah. And I think he had this, it's like, I always say it like a Tiger Woods hit, like no one, when Tiger Woods hit a golf ball, it made that noise like a shoo, that swoosh. He had that with a football, Robbie. When he hit it, it just went, it, when it was hit, it was hit. And it just used to motor. He had this knack of it. I mean, sometimes you hit a ball and you just go, well, wow. You just stand back and go, well, that's how good he was. So that's why I think maybe he thought, you know what, if the Dukes and Smithy aren't playing this guy's got goals. And even when he went to Leeds, you know, you got to remember, I think he got a hat-trick, didn't he, against... Um, Bolton, it was. Bolton. Yeah, you know, the kid was still scoring goals. Maybe he didn't get the game time. Um, but the one thing you know about him, if you give him a chance, it's going to end up in the back of the net. Hmm. Clever player. Very clever player. And a great lad. And a great team team player as well. But yeah, did we have too many of them at that point? Like I said, I don't think you can have too enough many good, good players. players. Yeah. But um, again, as well... The, the great thing I always found was we all obviously on different wages, but no one talked about that, which I think is a really good thing. You know, you, you've, you've probably got an idea in a way, but you probably haven't because people talk about certain deals, don't they? Like the Seth Johnson one, for example, you know, they said he was getting, I don't know. Who knows exactly what he's getting paid? We know it was a, a few quid, but it's not our business that that was their business. And it's like with any move, isn't it? It's like Robbie's a great mate. If he signed, brilliant. I was buzzing that he was here. Great to see him and be back. And But it's you make your own calls, don't you? Um, with your agent or your family to to, to make that call to, to go somewhere else. And I think for Robbie, for me, just a, just an unbelievable player. And I know maybe people think I'm biased, but if you look at look at the goals he scored as well, he's right up there. What about Ridsdale's role in all this? And how, mm. how do you perceive Ridsdale? Because it sounds like he was quite close to the players or certainly yeah, want, was. wanted to be. Was that Was that a mistake, you think, getting too close to it all? I think, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't say it was a mistake because we all reaped the rewards at times, but we also knew that maybe at times he probably could have pulled, he could have said no. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's the, that magic word sometimes and not people like to say it is no. Maybe we didn't need certain players. Maybe we signed some players we didn't need or were, were good enough for the club. But when you think about Peter, he he was trying to do the best thing. He was living the dream, I suppose. <laughs> But I don't think there was just him involved in making them decisions. They can't have been just one person. There must have been a whole lot of them. 
deciding about what was going on because it had to be. Unless it, if it was just him doing it, then I wouldn't understand that. But I think it was like Alan Layton as well, wasn't it? There the was, well? yeah. yeah. There was a, there was a couple others as well. Yeah. I think it was um, the guy from Adam who went to rugby Pearson. Now. Adam Pearson as well. I think whether he made decisions, there was, there was a few in that group, wasn't there? Because we used to see him on the travels when we were in Europe and stuff. So you'd see certain people, I suppose three or four people probably had Peter's ear yeah. on certain moves. And I think, I think, yeah, I, I think he did just want us to win some so much, but maybe we just over-egged it too quick. Mm. And that's kind of how I see it. And, you know, I don't want to see anyone get abuse or Peter or anyone or his family to, to get that kind of, you know, because he probably did get some, and it, it's tough that you know I've been I've been on the other end of, of of messages from people, and it's not nice. And in general, he's a good guy, he's a good person. You know, I think I don't know if he's still at Preston, but he was working with Preston for a while, and I bumped into him, and it was fine. You know, the the, the, the conversation was was flowing, and um, you know there is at times with with Peter you could speak to him, and sometimes that's good to have that conversation. But was he overly nice? I don't know. Yeah, I think he was a nice person. Do you think he was eager to please you? Maybe. Maybe, yeah. Maybe. But he did want the best for us. So it's, I think there's, there's two sides to it. I, I always feel like, yes, did he make some mistakes? I'm sure he'd admit that himself. We've all made mistakes, though. We all, we, he chased it, didn't he? He suppose that's the way he chased it a little bit. And did we chase it too soon? We went for it too much and you, you've got that kind of money um, available and the wages were going getting ramped up all the time when you're signing people like Rio Ferdinand for example and you've got a Mark Viduka there you know think you know and the kind of players they were they were match winners they were top top level players so the wages were obviously increasing did that upset the rest of the camp I don't think it did I think people were fairly happy with what they're getting paid there's always going to be there's always going to be some kind of disagreements but it's always a difficult job isn't it it's, what, it's one I would never like to have done be involved in all that with my numbers I'm rubbish but yeah um, maybe he did get them a little bit wrong uh, at, at times but again he's the one to talk to about that and mm. um, we've all got our own opinions about what small details are big surfaces tight corners are odd shapes flat rounded textured or tall whatever your next project there's a spray paint pattern that's just right because Rustoleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustoleum. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. 
happened. I think from a fan perspective, it was probably that it's because he courted the publicity as well as yeah. what what was perceived to be financial mismanagement, and he kind of wanted the limelight. But then in the background, things had got out of control, basically. Yeah, well, the the one thing I I I know from working at certain clubs were I I don't like at Liverpool, for example. I know I'm not going back to Liverpool all the time, but it's just being honest. The 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 chairman then Peter Moore's from the Moore's family. You'd never really see him unless he was at the ground. You wouldn't, you know, he wouldn't be doing, he wouldn't be doing the deals all over. He, he just, he paid, he paid for everything. You know what I mean? He was the, he was the owner. So I think with with Peter as well, uh, that chance to go and get all them players, he, he couldn't resist it. He couldn't resist. And I think sometimes the, the people who make them decisions and do it the right way sometimes seem to come out on top. And I think we we did chase it and Peter was, well, well, yeah, well, listen, look at the players we signed. So it's there, isn't it? It's there in front of you if you wanted to read through them, the players that we did sign. But within that as well, we did make some bad ones as well. We did. That's just, that's the way football is. Do you know when it started to go wrong, you, you kind of obviously, you had the, the whole Champions League peak, but you were mm. still around for, for, sadly, for the relegation. Yeah. Did you have a sense that it was going wrong? What was it like behind the scenes at that time when that side started to get broken up and then we've got the likes yeah. of, say, Rocky Jr. coming in? Yeah, I mean... Some of the players that come in, you know, obviously World Cup winner and Rocket Junior, nice guy, lovely fella, but it wasn't what we needed. He didn't really understand the Premier League, how physical it was. I mean, for example, you look back, and obviously my memory's not the best, but I remember when he played against Duncan Ferguson, Rocket Junior at Goodison. I don't know if you remember that game, he got absolutely dragged all over the place. It was like men against boys. So I think the signings that we brought in at that point didn't help because they were all on big money, them lads, big, big money. But they weren't top level players, in my opinion. Not all of them. Um, but I think Peter Reid, again, when Peter came in, because that was that point, wasn't it, when Peter came in, Peter was like, right, we need some solid players to come in and do a job. But if you look through them players, I, I don't think, who was solid that he brought in? I'm trying to think. Was it Salomon Alembe who had the game of his life? Or was it Lamine Sacco? Who's it was Lamine Sacco. Yeah, yeah, debut of his life against Newcastle yeah, and then yeah. suddenly just went... <laughs> that was it. So I think the recruitment on that them signings for me wasn't, wasn't brilliant. Great lads, all lovely lads, and I'm, you know, I'm saying that honestly. But wasn't what we needed to get out of the hole that we we're in. Them players that came in, in my opinion, weren't going to get us out of that hole. And like you said, we know what happened. And for for whatever reason, I think I think it started. On, I think the, the standards dropped in training. In my head, um, again, so I can only give it from my own opinion. I think it felt like the standards had gone from being right up the high-level training, bang, bang, bang at it, to we just had a dip. For whatever reason, whether it was people getting sold, people not putting a shift in, people relaxed, a bit too relaxed. You can never be relaxed when you play football. I know people talk, oh, you're relaxed. It's not. You've got to be up for it every single day. And we didn't have a, a set of players at that point, because the players were lost, who were good enough to get us out of that problem. We tried, and we tried our best, but it wasn't good enough. And unfortunately, it cost us in the end. And then that was the worst day of my football career. That. But it what really, was it like going down? Still makes me feel sick now. I was, you know what? I actually cried when um, I've done a lot of crying recently. Believe me, I actually cried when we got we got back up. That really meant so much to me because I felt responsible from being captain for so long. And then we went down, and I was so pleased that we got back up. It felt I felt relieved. I really did. And it took me all them years. We're talking. 16, 17 years, I did carry that around with me. And people won't know that. That's how much I cared for that club at that point. I was really, really sad. I didn't want to leave the club. I was desperate to stay, but they wouldn't let me stay. They wouldn't let me stay. I don't know why or what, because I think I could have stayed and made a difference and maybe helped us try and get back up. 
I definitely could have done a, maybe a better job than what some of the players that we kept. And that's just my own, again, my own opinion. And everyone's got one and everyone's entitled to this. But just let me go on a free as well at that point. You know, there was a lot of clubs interested in taking me. So again, it didn't make any sense to me. And when I left, I didn't take the money off the club. I went and got a decent move to Blackburn and I cracked on with my, my own my own career. Did anyone try to get you out of there sooner? Because I know there was obviously the, a bit of yeah. a panic with, with the likes of Robbie Fowler, Danny Mills getting chipped out and we were still paying part of the wages. There was clearly like a panic to get people off the wages. Yeah, I think I realised that as well and I was trying to do the right thing. And I'm sure a lot of the players were as well, but I think I knew the interest from certain clubs and then obviously ended up going to Blackburn because of my relationship with Graham Souness. But I think when that came about, I thought, I think it was a kind of, I gave away, I gave up me some of me my bonuses or some of my wages or whatever just to make the deal happen because Leeds didn't want me. So it was like, when someone tells you they don't want you, right, okay, if you don't want me, I asked why. The explanation never made any sense to me either. That's the truth. So who was um, who was the person telling you that at that time? Then there was quite a few, really. I, th- I th- I, I'm I'm still confused about actually what happened because it felt like I was going into Kevin Blackwell's office, then I was going into Eddie's office, and then I was going into whoever else was working at the club at four parts. At that point, I can't think of the other people, but it was just felt like this is going downhill so rapidly, and I was more or less not. I wouldn't say I got pushed, but because I was probably on decent wages, but I was on a lot less than most of the players. Believe me. I didn't. Go, I didn't play football for that. I never have. I earned. I earned good money. But the truth is, I didn't play football for that. Um, and, and I'm sure everyone else was the same. But I think it got to the point where I just wanted to do the right thing and um, leave on good terms with the club and not have any history and any bad feeling about the club. And that's how I left it. And I always felt sad, but I also thought I felt relieved that I'd done the right thing when I did leave at the right time. And that's the God's honest truth. And, and, you know, a lot of players wouldn't admit that. But I think we all tried to do the right thing. Some did, some didn't. And we know the stories that are all out there on social media. You don't have to, you don't have to look too hard to find that. And post-football, um, dabbled with bar ownership in Leeds. Oh, gosh, Rock yeah. bar. Yeah. <laughs> what what led you to that? I don't know. Got conned into it, probably. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Come over and do this. This is a good idea. You've yeah, got some money. Some, yeah, exactly. That's kind of it. I loved that place. We had a good time there. You know, I feel sad when it ended and you know a lot of pe- good great people who worked with me in the rock bar you know and um, it was all that fallout when something like that ends and people had put a lot of hard yards into that work you know my mate Ricky from the rock bar at that point he's gone on to to do other things um, but Ricky um, spoke to him recently and I just wanted to make things right with him as well because he was an integral part of, of helping me as well and I seen him recently in the pavilion and he just came up to me and we had a bit of a cuddle which is nice. I think sometimes you had them, you know, you've had them years where it's been great and you've had a great time. And it was probably me in the way that, you know, had to make sure that the bar didn't, it had to, it had to stop. It's costing me too much money and the bills were coming in thick and fast. And I feel sorry for the, for the staff that we lost and, you know, they lose jobs and stuff like that. So I, you know, I'm, I always apologize for that. And when I see other people, I do feel bad about it, but it was out of my hands. I wasn't the one pulling them strings, to be honest. I was just putting the money in, um, which is difficult. And I, I wouldn't advise, I mean, how many footballers have bought bars and it's gone wrong? Let's be honest, there's, yeah. a, there's a line of them. Well, the pub landlord used to be the way out, didn't it, yeah. after you'd finished? Well, that's it. Listen, we've all done it. Um, do I regret it? No, it was great fun, great times. We had some brilliant nights in the rock bar. You know, the Norwegian fans were in there constantly. We had loads of people in. So I don't regret it. 
but I wouldn't advise it to anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> and not certainly not anymore as well. A bit more yeah. grown up now. It's it's yeah. one of those things you can kind of do. Like I mean, I was nightclub bar DJ for yeah. 20, twenty years, and now yeah. north of forty, not a chance I could ever go back to doing that. It's no. like one of those things you do, isn't it? When you're in your thirties or whatever. It is. You're right. And listen, we all loved it. But like you say, there's only so long you can go, you can go on doing that. I wanted to get back into football. I should never have stopped. I shouldn't. I probably shouldn't have chased that dream of the bars, nightclubs, and stuff. It was something I really enjoyed, but. For me, it should have always been football. I should have finished, went off and finished my badges and then got a career in football. Now, lucky enough, I've got an, another opportunity with, with Leeds United to work with the club, you know, even though it's maybe three three days a week, sometimes like mm-hmm. that. And that's enough at the minute for me with my recovery and doing little bits of work, like you say, with you guys and other, and other police people around the world. It just keeps me busy and keeps me occupied and keeps the brain ticking over because that's the next step for me is now getting all them... Um, things back I've got to relearn everything so once these come back hopefully my, my, my talking and my memory comes back with it because I'm always thinking about that I'm always thinking about how we can improve even when I'm talking at Leeds United when I'm when I'm just like literally around the you know the fans or I always try and improve on what I say to people mm-hmm. I think it's important to give people facts and and give them a little bit of um, an insight to what it is I always think that's the one thing that people ask me the most they want the insight about you know, what it's all about and this. And people, I don't mind, I mean, I'm an open book. <laughs> I'll tell anyone anything, especially, you know, the Leeds fans, I've told them all kinds of stuff on the on them buses travelling back and, uh, you know, everyone's had a couple of beers <laughs> and they're chatting on them buses coming home. It's, you know, and the thing is, you know what I love about it is the football conversations, they just crack me up sometimes because sometimes I'll just be like, what is he on about? <laughs> and we've all, we've all done, you could be saying the same about me, but that's what we all do. What is he talking about? He doesn't know nothing. But then, Someone got yeah, you were bang on, or this and that and the other. But that's just why I've loved football for all my life because just talking about it. And the one thing I do miss in football, and I always say this, is I do miss the characters in football. Is not there is I know there's probably characters all over the place, but you just don't see them like you used to. There used to be so many characters, you know, Vinnie Jones, you know, all this kind of people. Them real characters that, that I miss, Paul Gascoigne. The way he, How is Neil Ruddock? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, you go. Raise them, my great mate. You know what I mean? People like that. That's the characters. Whatever you think of these guys, they, they were what football was all about. They brought fun to football and, you know, they've had stick for it, but I don't. I think they had great careers and they, they just, they were just funny guys and everyone's got one. And um, yeah, Razor was um, probably the, the best character and one of the kindest people you'd ever meet, Razor Ruddock. Um, and I've got a great relationship. And again, apparently when I was in hospital, I was bringing Razor and his wife at four in the morning, <laughs> which um, him and his wife weren't too happy about because I, I literally didn't know what day it was or what time it was. Um, he was like, Dom, stop. You know what? Ringing me. Stop <laughs> ringing me. And he's like proper um, Cockney accent. And um, yeah, I was like, okay, sorry. And then next night, I'll be back on the phone. <laughs> I've told you. Yeah, that's it. But yeah. I mean, as for your thoughts on football, yeah, I agree. There's, there's, there's nothing like it. And it's the reason why we sit down every day and we do this. Of course this. it is. It's yeah. just even... You know, I'm sure you must miss playing it, but even still talking about it every day is great. For me, that's my world at the minute. Obviously, I'm inspired by a lot of people. I'm inspired by my wife at the minute with with her business ideas and what she wants to bring to the table. I'm very lucky to have a wife like Jess. The way she talks about me and she talks about the family and the respect that we've grown for each other and we've learned a lot over the last couple of years of what we've been through. I think there's a, a newfound respect for that kind of stuff. And um, I probably get emotional again now talking about it because it is it, it does mean the world to me when somebody devotes that to you. It's everything you know. Forget everything else. Talk, forget the money it means nothing. 
you know, but that when you your wife and your family have got you got your back and your friends have got your back, gosh, it's uh it's it's everything to me and I wanna keep doing that and I've got to stay alive as long as I can and I will and I'll keep fighting the fight, as they say, and I will beat this at some point, you know. No guarantees, but I tell you what, I'll give it the best shot I can. Yeah, and you've got tens, if not hundreds of thousands of Leeds fans who are right behind you as well, who are always going to have you back. So um, yeah. thank you for your time. I know you need to get over to Ellen Roads to go do your, your duties yeah. over there, so we yeah. will let you go. But Dom, thank you so much. We'll, we must do it again. It's been yeah, brilliant. Any time. Pleasure. Great to see you guys. Thank you. Thanks again. The Square Ball Podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.